Hello out there and welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. It's the podcast where we watch the movies that you recommend to us. And I am your host, John, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Jeff. Why, hello there. I'm Jeff. Ah, yes. And now you know the rest of the story. (laughs) All right, thank you for listening. (laughs) And that's all from us here. You have a good one. Man, I think we've made about 650 episodes of content. I think we've done that joke about 350 times. I think there's got to be one point where we just have to end it there. Just actually actually... be like, nah, fuck it, we're done. (laughs) Some April Fool's gag. That's going to be some April Fool's gag. Uh, All right, so this week we watched The Shaggy DA. Who put this Uh, on the list? God damn it. Uh, it was like, I had it on the list, but I deleted it once I used it, so it would be gone. But I think it was like 863-Evil or something was the person who suggested it. It's okay. I I was really being rhetorical. I'm just like, what is this doing here? This, I I mean, I guess I get it. It certainly is a break from the usual DVD straight to Redbox crap that we have to watch. Uh, this is a wild place from which a movie can emerge. The, the... Disney live-action 70s studios? Yeah, normally we end up watching, like, just real low-budget garbage from, like, the 90s or early 2000s, or some manner of, like, cult classic, or, you know, occasionally a big blockbuster that sucks. But to go back to, like, just the... Not even, like, the live-action Disney stuff that people know. Like, we're not seeing like Pete's Dragon or the Apple Dumpling Gang even. like <laughs> I'm actually pretty sure that this movie did better than Pete's Dragon, which is a notorious floppy crap that no one wanted. It's a floppy old topper. That's what it is. Uh, but no, you, but yeah, this is like, the reason I'm so, why are we doing this is because this is just middle of the road, war 70s. Yeah, I mean. Like this is just <laughs> watching Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or something. It's fine. It's fucking fine. I'll say this. I was like, you know, we notoriously here have a lot of issues with 70s movies uh, Mm -hmm. for being excruciatingly slow paced and boring and just kind of garbage in general. I mean, granted, all of those things are true about this. I mean, at least it moves from place to place at a decent clip. That's true. You're right. It it doesn't have a whole lot of slow down and wait stuff, but it is extremely non-essential like the plot's just so lightweight it's very frippy it really feels exactly like any other mid-70s disney movie where it's a you know a straight-laced main character who doesn't quite understand what's going on around him and at one point he has to yell at a room full of women who make candy and obviously there's a sea admiral there it's just it's so it's weird how these things you don't notice them or don't even think they're tropes until you're watching an old Disney movie and you're like, how come every one of these movies has a comically overlouded sea admiral in it? There has to be someone that was working there around the Mary Poppins time through here that was just like, yeah, fucking put a sea captain in it. And everyone was like, but why? Do it. Don't you fucking question me. If this movie doesn't have an admiral or better, we walk. This movie doesn't go. (laughs) And when I say Admiral, I mean he's got to wear the fucking hat all the time. His house has to look like the inside of a boat. Sure, he's retired, but don't you let that stop him from being as nautical as fucking possible. It's so weird that that is a thing where they were like, oh yeah, it's not enough for it to be like, you live next to a sailor. It has to be, ah, I've got a fucking cannon in my house and I've got the bell that you would find on a ship. And you're like, what is... Why? Yeah, I don't understand why they did that. And you're right. Mary Poppins had one. Uh, 
I know Pete's Dragon, granted Pete's Dragon is a movie about an ocean town, but it still also had one. It, it's just like they couldn't help themselves. They had to cram these admirals in there. I guess that was just a comedic thing to do. And it was, was that like, a thing that... I guess we can make fun of <laughs> sea captains and it doesn't matter. Is this just a thing that kids liked in the 70s? They were like, oh yeah, what's a kid in the 70s all about? Well, it's 1976, so none of them know they're into Star Wars yet. They have a, they're a year away from that. But goddamn, are they all fucking crazy for sea captains? <laughs> all and, and boring all sea them. captains, they not want, pirate sea. Ca- they want a sea captain that is retired already and does not go on adventures. Yeah, definitely. They want an old fat guy who lives near them in a boat house that isn't a boat, uh, and that probably fought in World War II, but in a very unspecified way. <laughs> Uh, so this is a direct sequel to The Shaggy Dog from the 50s, mm-hmm. uh, where the teenager from The Shaggy Dog that was turning into a dog is now all grown up uh, and is a lawyer and turns into a shaggy dog again. That's Movie's got a false advertising title, if you ask me. He's only a DA after he's lost the curse that would make him shaggy. There's no point where he's both. Yeah, I... God, do we? I can't even remember the end of this movie. Does he actually become the DA at the end? Or is it just, well, I'm not a dog anymore. I mean, I don't think it really matters, but there's a congratulations, Mr. DA line from the ostensible actual main character of the movie <laughs> at the very end. So so we do know that that Dean Wilby gets elected, or Wilby Daniels gets elected DA by the end of the film, yeah. Damn you, Dean Wilby! <laughs> he might as well be named that. Uh, yeah, I, I, this movie is so inessential. It's basically a, a vehicle for the light, uh, family-friendly comedy stylings of Tim Conway. And if that's what you're into, then good news. Here's another source to put next to your go- Dorf on Golf VHS tapes. What this is is a wonderful way to see Dick Van Patten in a movie and go, I know you. <laughs> yeah, you're going to see, you're going to see Dick Van Patten and Tim Conway and be like, don't I know those guys? I feel like both of them did like Mel Brooks movies and stuff. I've seen them around. They're in mm-hmm. some stuff. Good for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they are. Well, uh, Tim Conway might as well be the main character of the movie because, I mean, Dean Jones is the star, the, the Wilby Daniels character. But since he spends a lot of the movie a sheepdog, uh, it, it does lean very heavily on Tim Conway. Yeah. Now, obviously, we're going to, you know, get into the full like, spoiler beat-by-beat review. But I'll just say, if you got Disney Plus and you want to watch this, that's very weird. You can. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely part of that Disney Plus we put the whole vault on the on the website thing. Because you can go watch this and the original and also the uh, the Tim Allen remake of the original. Yeah, I... Have you actually seen the original? No, God, no. Okay, because I have... And it's very weird. Honestly, it it feels much weirder than this movie was. I feel like in the intervening years, they just stopped caring. But also, why did Tim Allen need to make this? (laughs) I mean, Tim Allen has to make a Disney movie every two or three years. I assume it's part of his, like, cocaine sentencing. Yeah, it's community service. Yeah, it's, it's it's his version of community service. He got caught trying to smuggle cocaine in, like, a New York airport once with a comically enormous Sam Neill-looking... Or not Sam Neill, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Big-ass mustache, Sam Elliott. Um, and and uh, from that point forward, they're like, all right, well, either you can go to jail 
or you can be in a Disney Christmas movie every two years until you die. We're going to sell you to Disney. You're theirs now. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure Disney was medium thrilled. They're like, oh, all right, sure. Well, we'll try and we'll try and pawn you off on Pixar. <laughs> oh, shit, that actually worked? All right, well, welcome right. back to the stable. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you want to just talk about this for 45 minutes and then cut to the music? <laughs> Let's just talk around the movie, and then when we come back, we're like, so a guy turns into a dog. Eh, you know. <laughs> Spoiler alert. The main character's the dog the whole time. It was the dog. All right. Uh, sure. We're going to go ahead. We'll cut to the music. We're going to come back with the full spoiler review of Disney's The Shaggy DA. Friends, I want to talk about politics. Now, let me make this perfectly clear. I'm going to throw out all those shabby old tricks for this election year. Now, I'm the one who will set you straight. Let the past be water through the gate. Just an up-and-coming grassroots candidate, and I'm running for the Shaggy DA. We're back and ready and willing to talk about the Shaggy DA. Why, I'm willing and will be. I'm will be and able. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am all set to talk about this for quite a while. Uh, the movie is longer than I expected as well. I was looking forward to a nice 70-minute TV Disney movie, the little, little breezy thing, you know. Nope, full-on 100-minute movie. Yeah, it's feature length, and it's... <laughs> I gotta say, it's kind of interesting to me that there are so many side characters to this movie that don't end up anything or mattering almost feel, at all i feel like that's also a staple of these 70s disney movies is that they just pack in like low rent character actors that are part of like the disney house studios just to get them you know a paycheck and some like honestly i feel like half the people in this movie are just ticking off something so they can stay in the in the actors oh yeah they're just like oh here we're gonna give you another credit so that you can you know say you're doing your stuff yeah, I, I'm guessing Paul Fiedler's in this movie so he can keep his health insurance. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, there's other people yeah. in the movie who are up and comers, sure, but you've also got some guys who are bigger deals, like in the '50s and '60s, like Vic Tabak's in this, uh, mm -hmm. where where you can tell he's just here because some. If he doesn't do a movie every five years, he loses his health insurance, and that guy's got sciatica. Let's throw him a break, can we? Let's throw him a bone. How about you? <laughs> How about a nice movie where he gets a fucking chair? How about that? Just for Vic Tabak. What do you say? How about Vic Tabak stars in a movie where you never see him standing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think he's standing at the very the first time you see him. He's the guy who plays like the the head of the crime syndicate that the evil DA is in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> the fact that this is the guy who's like, ooh, he's in charge of the horrible crime spree in this town, and he's laundering all this stuff that his people are out there stealing, and he's in the movie for maybe five minutes. Mm-hmm. And at first, you don't know he's the crime boss. When when we first are introduced to him, there's a pair of bumbling criminals in this movie, because again, it's a 70s Disney thing, so you've got to have a pair of bumbling con men, or else what are you doing here? Uh, yeah. And they're, they're trying to sell him a crappy ring, and he's like, I don't want no crappy rings. Y'all get out of here. And I was like, oh, okay. So he's like the local jewelry fence. Is that this guy? No, he's in charge of the whole operation. He's oh, yeah. I mean, it honestly just looks like he was running a pawn shop. But then, oh, no, he's in charge of everything. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. There's a ton of characters in this movie that are in it for five minutes. And you've seen them somewhere before. Like like uh, Joanne Worley's in this movie. She was a big deal on Laugh-In and stuff like that. And, and now she... Go ahead. I just I was gonna say this uh this movie 
sort of unrelated to what we were talking about entirely, but I was just remembering that it starts with a song about the Shaggy DA, Mm -hmm. and God, I love that shit. Oh, the song? Yeah, the song's great. It's classic Disney songwriting. Uh, it's sung by the main character of the movie, the guy, the, the actor Dean Jones, and it's just it's set to some good old fashioned '70s cartooning of a sheepdog running for district attorney. It's pr- it's honestly it's the thing where you kind of wish the whole movie was just that cartoon. It is the kind of thing where after that intro, it's like, oh, is this going to be a thing where eventually he turns into the dog? But he's like, well, I'm a dog that can talk, and I'm running for DA, which would have been weird and interesting, but no. No, unfortunately, it's one of those, it's shameful to be a dog and therefore I must keep it a dark secret kind of things. It's very weird to me because he's a dog that speaks English and you would think if he was like, hello, uh, I'm actually, you know, Wilby Daniels, I've been cursed to become a dog, then you'd be like, oh, wow, holy shit, this guy's going to get whatever he wants. Right, he'd be famous as the guy who's a dog, but uh, instead it, it's it's his dark double secret. Uh, just the stupidest reason for why he's a dog. Oh my gosh the the uh, the mechanics by by which he becomes the D, the shaggy dog are uh, just hilarious. Yeah. But, now but we- in the original movie, uh, Wilby Daniels, the teenager, found a ring that had an inscription that when he read it turned him into a dog. And now it's just if anybody reads it, he turns into a dog. Yeah, because he read it enough times that he is now. I like that this movie's got like an RPG style convention. He's attuned and uh, uh, connected to the ring now. So if anyone reads the inscription, instead of them turning into dogs, he does again. Which is weird because we establish in a scene where we first find the ring in a museum and they were like, oh yes, this belonged to the Borgias and they would use the ring to turn people into a dog as, you know, punishment or whatever. And I'm like, how? Because well, like... You see- Yes, she's wearing the ring. How is she turning anyone into a dog? Yeah, that's a that's a Borgia racial trait. Uh, yeah, they get they get plus two charisma, plus one constitution, and if they're wearing a magic ring that's cursed, they can inflict the curse on someone else. One <laughs> great. Mm-hmm. Glad I could help. Uh, he, of course, is not a Borgia because uh, there's nothing about this guy that isn't. I'm directly from England and Germany. I am the whitest man you have ever seen. I'm Dean Jones. <laughs> it's. <laughs> Uh, the movie opens with him getting robbed. His house is is uh, completely burgled by two guys who are just pretending to be movers and emptying his house out in the middle of the day. Yeah, which and this is our God, first. That introduction. had to take a long time. How did they know that they were going to be gone? Because it's not like they were targeting them for anything. It just seemed like they happened to be there. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's very confusing that they managed to get into this house and then like over the course of a whole day completely empty the house of all belongings and they just were guessing that the daniels wouldn't come home yeah uh, it lasted long enough that the neighbor uh the the admiral uh, <laughs> comes by with beers for them because he's like you fellows have been working a long hard day a long day of acting like sea going landlubbers who have been doing hard lifting and it seems to me that the two of you deserves a grog what what ding ding <laughs> bell re- move the wheel back and forth i'm a sea admiral yeah, <laughs> the the fact that they get away with the whole we're movers and we're going to steal all your stuff was kind of goofy to begin with. But then, like, it doesn't matter at all, almost. It's essentially just the catalyst for will be Daniels to be like, oh, well, I, I'm going to run for DA because our current DA sucks. 
he's not hard enough on crime. Uh, and... Yeah, that's kind of rough, right? I know it's 1970 sensibilities, but when he marches over and demands to use the Admiral's phone to call about the crime and the police are like, we're really busy. Can you call back? And his response is, he hangs up with them and he's like, I tell you what, if I was in charge of the law in this town, I'd catch every criminal and have them locked up. No questions asked. Like, <laughs> oh, so I but, would prosecute everyone to the full extent of the law. And you're like, oh, wow. you." Oh. I mean, it, it matches the character. Our lead character, Dean Jones, his one good characteristic of overall is that he's forthright at least he's honest and says what he means but he's a douchebag also oh yeah i mean it would be in a more modern telling which i assume is going to be sort of the tim allen thing it would be you need to learn a lesson by becoming a dog Mm -hmm. there's no lesson learned here there's no (laughs) cosmic reason for him to become a dog he doesn't become a better person for being a dog he just happens to become one and hijinks ensue yeah no he starts the movie as a as a uh baby boomer dad uh with every trapping that you would associate that with and ends the movie in exactly the same situation well yeah he gets his entire house Mm -hmm. and then that night they come back and steal the clothes that they had on when they weren't at the house for some reason i did appreciate that that was a pretty good gag uh, oh they, yeah they just come back in to take the few things that they brought home with them they're like oh man we gotta risk getting caught and thrown in jail so i can get this polo shirt now does that mean that his house is fully furnished and he is wearing a nice suit and has a closet full of clothes the next time you see him again yes it does don't worry about it yeah i mean it the movie tends to have a lot of scenes where you're like oh this dude's rich because mm-hmm. he like just doesn't seem to give a shit that all of his stuff is gone he's just like oh okay well i'll buy more stuff and it's the principle. Like, there's a point where he's got like uh he's trying to find the ring and he bribes someone for like two thousand dollars in 70s money and you're like you just don't give a shit do you no it's all the, the crime thing he's just mad about it for the principle the dude's a big enough deal of a lawyer to you know live next door to an admiral and admirals make fucking bank uh, and also to run for DA on a whim. Yeah, he's just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm running for DA. Mm-hmm. The next day, I already have all sorts of papers and banners and signs and nonsense. Yep. I mean, granted, he does it. They try to make it look like he's doing the whole thing all grassroots where he's driving around in a station wagon with stickers on it and shit and kissing babies coming out of a Vaughn's. But you know that this dude just dropped a cool couple hundred thousand on on uh, having this whole situation come into existence because he's miffed. Oh, yeah. He's the type of person that got angry about something and has the money to be like, well, by God, I'm going to make this everyone else's problem. Yeah, I would say that the, one of the more interesting things about this movie overall is that no lessons are learned. No one. Uh, I mean, yeah, a bad guy gets punished in the end. But other than that, no lessons are learned. Nothing's really gained. Uh, the little kid is a shitty because obviously the movie's got to have a kid. So that's uh, Willoughby Daniel's child. Uh, what's his name? Richard or something. Uh, Tim, no, uh, whatever. Who gives a shit? He is, a, a, <laughs> he is a shitty little weirdo at the beginning and the same shitty little weirdo at the end. Yeah. Uh, Brian, I believe is his name, but yeah, he's, he's just like, what are you? Oh, I'm kind of a dick and I don't care about anything and I'm, I don't listen to anyone and I just get into stupid trouble and shenanigans. And then at the end of the movie, he's like, Haha, I'm going to still do this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so weird. Uh, so, yeah, he decides to run for DA, and 
he is more or less convinced that the current town DA, the, the famous and well-established and long-running historic town DA, John Slade, uh, is corrupt and crooked, and it's his fault that there's so many pickpockets and house thieves and crap like that in town. And so he's decided to shake up the establishment and get the, the local town favorite Slade out of his seat. That's right. He's going to be DA, and the first thing he's going to do is prosecute Slade for possible connections to the crime people, which seems real weird as a thing to say when he's like, I have no evidence and no real reason to think this, but by God, I do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Also, uh, he is not especially nice to I mean, yeah, he's just not very nice to his family or his neighbors or anything. Wilby Daniels is uh, the kind of character where I, I think they were supposed to be sliding this kind of character by you in the 70s by, well, he's right. Everything he says is correct, so it doesn't matter if he's mean to his wife and kid. Who cares? He's correct, because his uh, wife is like, why don't you run for DA? Now, honey, I'm not doing that. That's what a crazy person would do. What a stupid thing to even insinuate. I'm running for DA. That was my idea. I'm Wilby Daniels. The <laughs> the interesting thing for me about it is, like, he doesn't seem to really want to do anything with, like, his family, because his kid is kind of a, a little jerk, and he just doesn't want to deal with him. And then his wife, he's like, ah, I love you, honey. Also, I'm just never going to listen to you. And when I get into trouble, I'm going to be like, sorry, honey, I'm in trouble. Can't talk to you. I got to go, even though it'd be, you know, very useful to have a human that knows me and would protect me. Yeah, there's a scene in the middle where she's in on the secret that he turns into a dog randomly because randomly at the moment, because he doesn't know who has the Um, and he turns into a dog at some function and she's like, Oh, honey, you're turning into a dog. Let me take over. And then, you know, she just puts him under the uh, as a dog under the table in front of her. We're done. They've succeeded. No one knows there's a dog there. He just went to the bathroom or something. They can move on and everything's fine. But instead, he's like, I have to get out of this building. I'll run along the legs of all these ladies and freak them out. And I'm like, you don't have dog brain. You have human brain. Why are you doing this? Hold the fuck still. Yeah, there's a few different scenes where it feels like, hey, why are you acting like a dog in this situation? Because sometimes, I mean, sometimes it is literally just a human in a dog suit and he's like, oh, I'm going to grab this rope and swing around. <laughs> but sometimes, like in the that scene where they try to, like, get the vote of the Daisy Society or uh, whatever, you know, your small town ladies organization. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, oh, well, I know I'm a dog and I don't want anybody to see me. But I need to, like, jump up on tables and slam into waiters and stuff to get out of here because I'm freaked out. Yeah, and it's like, why are you freaked out? You were safe when your wife hid you under the table. Just sit there. And when, yeah. the, ro when the room's d emptied out of old ladies who give money to political campaigns, then come out from under the table. But instead, he's like, I have to escape. And in the loudest and stupidest way, I can. <laughs> uh, <sighs> it is important for me to mention because... This is very weird for the mechanics of this. He does not, in fact, just transform into a dog. He actually takes the place of a dog that already exists. Yes, this is very unusual. The two of them become a single entity with the dog's body and his mind. And sadly, yeah. this, is, this doesn't leave a dog-minded uh, <laughs> Dean Jones running around, that, that which, which is the obvious question that you're left with when you're watching you're like where's dean jones with the brain of a dog and how come he's not out there like sniffing his wife's butt uh yeah the for some reason when he turns into the dog uh 
Elwood, the name of the local ice cream man, uh, his dog, Mm -hmm. just fades out of existence when he turns into a dog. Yeah, which is interesting. But it's not like he just snaps into being a dog, like fades into it and the dog fades out of existence. He does a full werewolf transformation where he like grows hair and gets like a snout and black lips and everything. But the dog just disappears. Yes. Yeah, the dog disappears. And then he goes through American dog in London and turns into a sheepdog. And it's a very, un- metaphysically, it's very weird what's happening in this movie. And it's especially weird because, as you can probably imagine, by the end of the movie, someone else is affected by the curse. And they don't turn into Elwood. They turn into another dog. Yeah, a different dog. Which made me think, like, okay, does every person have their own type of dog that they would swap places with? Do you think someone, because it turns into the uh, villain at the end, I mean, I don't care if we jump around on this one, the villain oh, yeah, at the I end really turns into a bulldog, and I'm wondering, did someone nearby lose a bulldog at that moment? Yeah, is it just a proximity thing? Like, oh, the sheepdog was the closest dog to him when the inscription was read, so he becomes that sheepdog. But then when uh, Slade turns into a dog... Is it just someone happened to be walking their bulldog nearby and it disappeared? <laughs> also, that's a great move. It's the come up and scene where some cops pull them over and he's like, the, the idea is that Slade has spent the entire movie with his hands on the ring, reading the inscription over and over again to try and keep his political opponent turned into a dog. Um, but he's been warned multiple times by professors and sycophants and everybody that if he keeps get, uh, doing that, it'll eventually attune to him and he'll turn into a dog. And then he turns into a dog, and the cops are like, is that is that John Slade back there, or is that a dog? And he's like, bruh, bruh. Instead of being like, it's me, I'm a fucking dog. What are you going to do about it? I pay your salary, copper. <laughs> yeah, the insistence on the people that turn into dogs not just being like, hey, this is a curse. Did you know magic is real? <laughs> I mean, it's not like they'd be the only people in town to think that. The guy who's had the ring, the, the museum keeper uh docent whatever you want to call him who who's been holding the ring for the 20 years since the first movie is like oh yeah they say that ring can turn people into dogs i'm very careful with it myself i don't want to be turned into a dog yeah then you know a cop asked him like is that a thing you believe and he's like well you know i'm not gonna take any chances fuck it stranger things have happened have you heard about that invisible dragon that ravaged passamaquoddy <laughs> or that flying car in london They've all uh, really it's it's a shared universe. Or oh that god. I Apple I Dumpling Gang and I can't remember what the plot is. I think they have to win a soapbox derby. I don't know. I've never seen it. God, did I just give someone at Disney the idea to do a a crappy Disney live action cinematic universe? It would be amazing cuz they've already remade Pete's Dragon. So at this point, <laughs> you just yeah. got to keep going. Yeah, you just take the the Elliot character or the Pete character from Pete. Uh, well, Elliot's the one you want. He was that big fuzzy dragon in that, and then and then uh, introduce him to I don't know the Kraken from Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, the remake. Oh, and I mean because Tim Allen was already in a remake of Shaggy Dog, you've already got him on board. Oh yeah, there's your lead right there. That's your Iron Man. You got Tim Allen as the Shaggy Dog. You've got that Pete dragon. Uh, all we need is a chitty chitty bang bang for them to fly around in. Maybe a, a chimney sweep from Mary Poppins, or should we just have it be Mary Poppins? What do you think? Because that also just think? got remade. I mean, I feel like you can't you can't use the big name ones. Like you can't go to Mary Poppins. 
<laughs> so we're going with the chimney sweep character, or how about that uncle that couldn't stop laughing? <laughs> he can fly. He's the flying member of the team. Oh, uh, good. You need one. Yeah, you got him and the dragon. They can fly in the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang car. You know what? A lot of Disney movies are about flying. I'm rethinking this. Uh, anyway. So anyway, <laughs> the, the ice cream man is very important in this because, uh, you know, Daniels turns into his dog. So he keeps being like, oh, that's my dog and grabbing Daniels in dog form. And then for some reason... Instead of explaining, hey, uh, I'm not your dog, I'm actually uh, Wilby Daniels, I got turned into a dog, and you need to leave alone, goodbye. He's like, well, I'll just sit here and go along with whatever you're doing. Well, I love his half-assed response measure. Because, yeah, Tim Conway keeps catching him and being like, hey, Elwood, you're my dog. And he's not just like, okay, well, I'll either just sit here and pretend to be a dog until it's convenient to escape, or just bring Tim here in on the story. He's like, yeah, that's me. I'm your talking dog, Elwood. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I can I can speak, and it's amazing. Anyway, uh, I'm not going to explain anything further. Just going to speak to you. <laughs> like, why would you do it to that level? That's just going to make things worse for you. The moment Tim knows you can talk, he's going to be way less inclined to let that dog leave. And also, it just, you know, ends up being comically stupid for uh our ice cream man tim because he's like i've got a talking dog so i'm gonna do the obvious first thing which is go to a bar and try to bet people my dog can talk <laughs> and he keeps going back there to the same bar over i mean i get it it's actually an okay bit uh i mean conway is pretty lightweight in this movie but but overall he is a a very good comedian yeah no he's he's got a lot of very good physical comedy going on and a lot of wonderful you know double takes and so on yeah i do appreciate like he's introduced having to do a uh, a rundown of the 44 flavors of ice cream that his car or that his ice cream truck has and so you can tell he's just improving through them he's like i don't know uh pomegranate bacon twist uh we got we, we definitely have uh, a tomato and licorice that's yeah that's another one and uh, so he's, you know, he's just doing bits. It's just, I feel like they really were leaning heavily on Tim Conway to flesh the movie out. Yeah, because otherwise it's just, you know, Daniels goes, oh no, uh, I need to find that ring. Uh, turns out I don't need to find that ring. I need to find incriminating evidence on uh, Slade. Well, I got both. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Conway, at one point, because the movie's just a bumbling comedy of errors, at one point Conway himself has the ring because after thieves steal it from the museum, uh, they sell it to him for five bucks, convincing him that it would be the perfect gift for his girlfriend, quote unquote, who uh, a woman who is not especially interested in, in him, actually. Uh, yeah, she, uh, his, she, his roller derby love interest. Yeah, played by Joanne Worley from Laugh-In. Uh, she's playing Katrinka, the biggest, strongest roller derbyist in town, who, because this was made in 1976, very clearly saw Cabaret that year. Because ah. she has... The Liza Minnelli, like from start, from top to bottom. It's true. Uh, it, it's very true. Um, so he's got the ring for a little while. He tries to give it to her. And she's like, look, I'm not, I told you a bunch of times, I'm not going to date you. I just waved to you from my roller derby rink once. Yeah, but she eventually takes it because he's like, ah, I just want to give you uh, the ring. It's you don't got to do nothing. And she's like, all right, fine. Speaking of not having to do nothing, she doesn't really do anything else in this movie except bail her friend to him out of jail once. And then at the end of the movie, they're planning their wedding. Oh, yeah. So we're just like, we go from 
uh, I keep telling you, Tim, I'm not interested. Please stop hitting on me. To, okay, fine, Tim, I'll bail you out of jail, I guess. I don't know how you even got in there. To, we're getting married. And I'm just like, what What happened? What Did we miss a major thing? Yeah. Some point along the way, she was like, let's get married. And also, all of these dogs, we need them. Mm-hmm. That was just some other 1970s movie about a roller derby lady and an ice cream man who adopted a bunch of dogs and fell in love. I mean, honestly, that sounds like a 70s Disney live action movie. Yeah, it's got all the necessary elements. Like you just have the wacky roller rinker and great 1974's roller rinker, the classic Disney movie. Yeah, I, I honestly, I would be hard pressed to believe that that doesn't exist. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm much, I'm, I'm pretty sure people are going to point out to us that that is indeed a movie. Someone's, yeah, someone's just going to be like, oh, actually, they did make that. There was a sequel. And you're like, oh, okay, well. I mean, they were cranking these out. Half the cast of this movie was in another Disney movie the same year. Like, the same Disney movie. Because uh, Tim Conway, uh, Dick Van Patten, and I want to say a few of the others as well, were all in Gus, a, a movie about a, a mule that t- plays football. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Man, they would just do goddamn anything. <laughs> They're just cranking these things out. Uh, of course, nowadays, we live in an age where they would, you know, instead do a gritty remake of Gus. Oh, yeah. That or we could do a shared universe with Air Bud. <laughs> Gus, the movie of a mule that couldn't play football very well and collapsed into drug abuse. Uh, uh, okay, sigh. so, yeah. Uh, in any event, uh, <laughs> there's just hijinks, you know. He just keeps getting turned into a dog in inopportune moments. At one point... Uh, Willby Daniels' house is full of people trying to make a commercial about how he should be the next DA. Um, and I got to say, the idea for what a, a political commercial in the 70s was is real weird. Well, no, weird. This, was, this was a live interview thing ah, they were it, doing. Right, it's a news interview. But there's a point in the news interview where they're just like, oh, look at that, a family dog. Does he do tricks? Let's see your dog do tricks. Keep rolling. And I'm like, no, just, just cut. What are you doing? It's weird that you'd be like, ah, yes. And here is a dog. That, <laughs> let's have a dog do... Tri- like, why are you trying to fill air with that? Wouldn't you just be like, all right, and you can see there's a happy family and back to you. Yeah, you just give up. Or you just keep interviewing the, the mom because she's decided to be the campaign manager. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, well, you know, since we're waiting on Daniels to get here, uh, what about you? Well, as the campaign manager, we have questions about what your plan is. I mean, I, I appreciate that when they did interview her a little bit, like they they have her believably show stage fright, where she's just awkwardly moving flowers from her hand to a vase, and she's like, "I also enjoy painting, and I am very dedicated to the arts." Uh, oh I, yeah, it was, and it was never a good breaking like eye contact with the camera. Yeah, I, I, was that Suzanne Plachette playing the wife, and she is great. She's doing a great job in a very thankless role that she barely gets to be in this movie. Oh yeah, I was gonna say I feel like she does a really good job in this, but she is just vastly underused. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the first scene where it gets turned into a dog. He gets chased around by another dog. Uh, Weirdly, when he runs into his house being pursued by a very savage Great Bernard, uh, he passes his son, and his son's like, don't worry, Dad, I'll fight this dog. (laughs) (laughs) No, I got this. And his dad's just like, perfect, I have to make it to that interview. Fight with honor, son. (laughs) It's good to know I got shooters out here. (laughs) Yeah. 
And I was just like, wait, did you seriously just let a charging, angry, barking, frothing at the mouth dog go after your son instead so you could make a TV interview? I mean, granted, well, I your mean, son it's is important to me. I the mean, son his, isn't. The son is definitely a weird little creep, so I don't see any problem with that. Yeah, I <laughs> the fact that he is willing to sacrifice his child is it's interesting. I think it's supposed to be that you don't think he's willing to sacrifice his child or think too much about anything about that scene at all. Like, obviously, that dog's just upset and the kid's going to calm it down. And don't what, what are you what are you still talking about this for? We got 18 more movies to make this week. Shut the fuck up. Well, I mean, the thing is, the kid does just sort of hold his hand out and be like, stop. And the dog stops. You're like, wow. OK, I guess uh, <laughs> I guess this kid can just do that then. The kid's got superpowers pertaining to dogs, which you'd think would come up in a film that in which dogs feature so prominently, but that is not the case. <laughs> Indeed. And, I mean, speaking of there are no consequences to anything, this is just you know, bumbling scenes, I mentioned earlier that at one point he bribes uh, someone to give him the ring for 2000 So that is uh, Katrinka, mm-hmm. where he's like, okay, I found out from Tim that he gave you the ring, I need that back and I will give you $2,000 for it. And she's like, hell yeah, $2,000 is a lot of money in 1976. Mm -hmm. And oh no, I seem to have lost it. It must have gotten mixed up in the order for the hotel. The special order. Wow, you're awful. If a ring was able to fall off from under your gloves... Because mm-hmm. she, like, peels the glove off to go, like, and here's the ring. And like, wow, I don't know how that managed to happen. You must have been real food safety lax for that. I mean, okay, yeah, granted she is very food safety lax. In her defense, she was recently given this ring as a gift by her bumbling paramour, or suitor, that is the size of a bracelet. The ring is fucking enormous. It's a giant prop. It looks stupid as hell. Uh, it's supposed to look like a scarab ring with Latin inscription written around the scarab because it's somehow Egyptian and Greek, uh, and Italian. Uh, but yes. it's, it's also clearly built so that it can be lit up from underneath. And so you can tell that it's huge and got big glass and plastic parts and she couldn't possibly wear that thing and work. Well, yeah. When she's like, and now I'll reveal the ring and goes to take off her glove. I'm like, you don't, you don't have it. We would know if you had it. It would be the size of your hand. Yeah. But anyway, obviously, because this is a 70s movie, the ring is in the special order, which is a collection of pies <laughs> on paper plates laid out uh, uh, 12 pies to a table in a big room full of pies. God, as soon as they got into that room, I was like, yes. <laughs> Thank yes, you. Yes, finally. Because what happens is when when she's like, well, it must be with the special order over at the hotel. And then another lady at the same food manufacturing facility is like, hold on. If I find the ring, can I have the $2,000? And then they all just take off en masse and pie fight. Yeah, there's a big pie fight. And God, I, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I laughed at the pie fight. I'm not <laughs> I'm not too proud to say that a good old-fashioned pie fight can tickle me. A nice classic pie fight where you really find yourself wondering like because it's a pie auction for John Slade's district attorney re-election campaign, but I guess he's like, "Ah, yeah, come on in and buy a pie. It's nothing but whipped cream and a little bit of red food coloring on a paper plate." <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> the fact that you have this entire staff of uh like this pie making company all just hucking pies at each other 
and then Slade goes in there and they huck pies at him and he finds uh Daniels in there with you know pie being also hucked at him you'd think at that point you'd be like oh uh you've come in here and destroyed my property and set up like a whole bunch of things in order to ruin my fundraiser uh i don't really need to do anything more i could probably just have you arrested right now and then even if nothing sticks you will be known as the person who got into a pie fight by <laughs> like if, that even if nothing else you'll be in jail throughout the race it'll be that easy for me to do that to you because i'm obviously corrupt anyway but instead he just gets mad and he's like i tell you this i'm very angry and then he walks out and is the uh daniel's son hits him with another pie on the way back out and he doesn't react to that either and i'm like you won dude this is your win yeah this is it you have been spending so much of this time being like Ah, uh, Daniels sucks. He's going to drop out. And then the second he starts getting like, ooh, I'm going to try and connect you to the crime stuff. This would be the perfect point for him to just go, oh, hey, I own the police because during this movie, I will redirect all of them to try and find a dog. So clearly I'm just in charge of everything. Mm -hmm. uh, I could just have you arrested. And again, even if you were to say make bail or get out, you would still be very slandered in this race. You'd be like, ah, yes, honest John Slade versus the pie guy. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll, he could do the same thing by just being like, my opponent turns into a dog. And, and I feel like he's just been handed so many wins. He really managed just to snatch defeat here. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I feel like having this pie scene become super important would probably violate an important rule of comedy that is largely unspoken, which is that you cannot have your plot, you know, the plot of your film hinge on a pie fight. You can have a pie oh, fight no. in your movie. Absolutely. Put all the pie fights in it you want, but they cannot be integral to the plot. You cannot have a load bearing pie fight. Yeah. That, that, that's a bridge too far for a comedy movie. <laughs> Good. Uh, so I'm glad we've established these rules. <laughs> That's one of the rules. That's one of the most important rules of comedy screenwriting. Pay attention, screenwriters we may or may not know. Uh, you know, movies these days, they need more pie fights. It's tr Honestly, it's true. We haven't had a good pie fight in a movie in forever. Uh, give kids me a classic, these days. Give me a classic pie fight the way you remember. Make sure some pie gets on the Admiral. Because that'd be great. You know, he's all puffed up and self-important, and he's probably got a big corncob pipe in his mouth. Definitely need to put a pie into that guy. I love that this entire pie fight, though, the crux of it of trying to find the ring is our two bumbling thieves, like, hear a ruckus in there and poke their heads up, and they're like, ha, huh, they're throwing pies in here, and then they both get pies in the face. But then it turns out that the pie that they get hit with has the ring, and they're just like, oh, well, I guess we'll try and sell this ring again. <laughs> That's all there is to it. <laughs> and then when they try and sell it, they try and sell it to a cop who's like, yeah, we've been told to look out for this very easily identifiable stolen ring. So yeah. uh, <laughs> you're not going to jail, though, for some reason. Well, of course they're not. They're part of the crime ring. Uh, Rorschach, the, the, the villain in charge of the crime ring warehouse full of stolen cars and stuff, just immediately gets them out because they're a couple of bumbling crooks and he needs those bumbling. Indeed. They're going to go bumble for him. I mean, granted, the first thing we see them do is entirely clean out a house. So not 
too bumbling. No, not at all. And we, we get to watch this guy's routine several times throughout the movie where he's like, hi there, I'm Professor something or other, recently of the Sorbonne, and I find myself temporarily financially embarrassed. Therefore, I must part with this fine ring. Yeah, which uh, is a joke for the original one because a professor by that name was in that movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, oh, oh, well, what do you know? What a great joke. I had no idea. Yeah, it's it's there for the true shaggy connoisseurs. <laughs> well, I am a true saggy connoisseur, and I can tell you what I know about him, which is that it wasn't him. <laughs> That's my full extent of shaggy knowledge. That, and also I think he's a vegetarian who eats comically large sandwiches. Comically. Uh, too large. Too large of sandwiches. Unreasonably large. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're coming out here. I think we're... we're, we're uh, Proud to be on the front line of pointing out that Shaggy from Sesame from Scooby Doo eats far too large of sandwiches. That's it. We're taking a stand. Mm-hmm. Enough is enough. This is what's going to cause us to run for district attorney. <laughs> I'm going to prosecute Shaggy to the full extent of the law for eating too large of sandwiches and also for banging butt naked on the bathroom floor. <laughs> no, that wasn't him. It was well, specifically it wasn't him. No, heck, it wasn't even him singing that. It was the other guy in that song. Yeah, whatever that other guy was. You know, that guy. Willoughby Daniels. <laughs> That's right. Everybody remembers the classic song, It Wasn't Me, by Shaggy and Willoughby Daniels. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, now the villain has the ring, and Dick Van Patten, who is the toady to the villain, somehow gets wise to the fact that the ring turns uh, uh, Daniels into the dog, and he tells his boss this, causing his boss to just spend the rest of the movie hiding with the ring and turning Daniels into a dog over and over. Now, the, I mean, the main idea they have here is, oh, we're going to try and get him caught by the dog catchers so that he can spend the entirety of our, like, campaign in the pound so that he can't win. Mm-hmm. But it feels like you could just wait and be like, let's have a live televised debate. And he's a dog. Or just do nothing. At the moment, I don't think he's leading in the polls, and so therefore you could just be like, I'll turn him into a dog. He can't campaign. I'm going to win. And even if he wins, he won't show up to to, uh, become the DA, and it'll default back to me because, you know, he'll be a dog. Because, you know, dog. Any extra steps are extra steps. Now that I have a button that turns him into a dog, I've already won this. Yeah. But then he wouldn't have an interesting movie. So instead, yes, he he starts a whole thing where, well, first he invites Daniels over to meet with him. And he's like, listen here, Daniels, I have the ring that turns you into a dog and you're going to drop out of the race or I'll turn you into a dog. And because Daniels is nothing but forthright and stubborn, he's just like, no, sir, I'm in the race to the end. OK, you're a dog. Oh, no, I did not predict this. <laughs> Who could have seen such a fate befalling me? <laughs> And then he escapes as a dog, and yeah, they send a bunch of uh, they send a bunch of dog catchers after him, including wow, what a, what a, what a uh, gut punch of Disney to the to the uh, like center mass from one of these dog catchers. <laughs> There's John. There are a couple of voice actors that are masters of doing a million different voices. You know, you've got your Mel Blanc and your Billy West, who who can just do whatever, and that's their whole routine. But mm-hmm. then you also have a couple voice actors who do one voice, but it's such a unique voice. That you get used to it and you want them for it. You've got your Patrick and certain certain ones who found ways to leverage it into a million different jobs. Uh, you know, H. John Benjamin, Patrick Warburton. They have like one voice, but God damn it, they know how to use that voice amazingly, right? Mm-hmm. The dog catcher of this movie is played by a fellow by the name of Paul Fiedler, uh, who is recognizably, distinctly 
nothing but Piglet. (laughs) The instant... (laughs) It's real weird to be like, all right, and now we'll send this dog catcher after you. And he's like, okay, dear. (laughs) He has the same mannerisms and everything. This dude was the voice of Piglet and Winnie the Pooh, and... (laughs) God damn it, but it's because he just sounds like a little pig man. It's not because he was doing a voice. Yeah, there was no, like, ah, yes, I am a great voice actor, and I shall choose the correct way to play this character. You're like, oh, no, that's just him. That's just what he, he's like. You just found Piglet. Yeah, every once in a while, there's a voice actor who's like this. I think Yeardley Smith is another really good example of it. Yeardley Smith is just Lisa Simpson. That's all she sounds like, and it's all she ever will sound like. Mm -hmm. When she she rarely shows up in a live-action movie, it's disconcerting, because here's a woman who talks like Lisa Simpson. Yeah, it's real (laughs) weird. She was, I forget what show she was on for a while, but every time she'd show up, I'm like, this is, I can't. I can't deal with it. Yeah, well, Paul Fiedler's the same way. He's just, he goes, oh, d-d-d-deer. You're just like, what the fuck? How did, why is Piglet driving that truck? Anyway, he leads a bunch of dog catchers on a merry chase to try and catch him. There's a whole bunch of other shtick that we're skipping over. We talked briefly about the parts where Tim, the ice cream man, keeps catching him again and trying to force him to sing in front of a bartender, and he keeps switching back to the dog while Tim isn't looking. Yeah, he'll become human and then be like, well, I can't explain to this guy that I'm a human now, so, well, I guess I'll just leave. Fuck him. I do appreciate there's one scene that I didn't want to skip over that I thought was kind of cute. When he's leashed up as Elwood in Tim's uh, ice cream truck, and when he reverts to human form, Elwood's just sitting where he usually would be in the passenger seat of the ice cream truck. So here, for the first time ever, we get to see Elwood and uh, Daniels in the same place. And Daniels is like, holy shit, it's the dog I turn into. Hey, Hi there. What's Hi, up? Elwood. Sorry about all this. Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine what you must be going through. Uh, but you, you have to go disappear to the screaming void every time I turn into a dog. Yeah, I also wanted to be like, you know, Wilby the, or, or Elwood, the thing I can't figure out that bothers me the most is, aren't you like 35? Like, you've been the same dog since I was a teenager. That seems impossible. No, he was a different shaggy dog. Like, also a sheep dog, but not this one. Oh, that's good to know. I'm glad to learn that. Anyway, I just wanted that scene because I thought it was kind of weird to see him have this little heartfelt conversation with the dog he turns into, and I appreciated it. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, okay, so um, he now, does at this it- point, once he escapes mm-hmm. like from the uh, dog catchers, oh. this is just going to be a good 25 minutes of nonstop sane changing runaround nonsense where occasionally it's a dog and a lot of the time it's a dude in a dog outfit like they go to the roller rink and <laughs> mm-hmm. oh god yeah it turns into a, a a man wearing a a roller rink outfit with some big white socks and a, and a dog mask oh yeah it looks real stupid but i was like this is amazing and i don't I don't want to question how, as a dog, he got into this outfit and put on a helmet and roller skates and is roller skating, but I, I, I love it. Yeah, no, it's, it's adorable. Uh, and he, of course he, he heavily messes with the roller skating event and somehow Katrinka is in on it and helps him escape. No, I I was just mad at him. No, the, the whole thing with the, the roller derby is you push the people that you, are teammates with so that they can knock into the people in front of you to make way. No, I know. I just, 
I was just very confused by her willingness to throw this dog out of the arena entirely, but I guess it was probably with some help from the dog. Yeah, I figure it was, she pushed him to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to push you into the, the people in front, and then Wilby was just like, I have no idea what I'm actually doing, so instead of, you know, course correcting and going into people like I would, I just fly out of the rink. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, eventually all of this nonsense comes to an end when they, when he is cornered in a tree, a tranquilizer rifle is brought out. And of course it shoots Slade in the butt on accident, but still it's time for, uh, the dog to go to the, the, the shaggy DA to go to the pound. Oh my God. Yeah. This is when it really gets bad because there's one impressionist doing the voices, which by the way, why this is the weirdest thing. The other dogs can also talk to him. Like he, when he's in dog body, he can speak dog, but notably he can't cause he can't bark. All he can do is say wolf in a human voice. Yeah. It's very strange. He understands the dogs when they're talking and they understand and when him. He, and when he speaks ostensibly English at them, they understand what he is saying. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but when he talks to other humans, he has to be very careful not to uh, not to vocalize as a dog because it won't come out dog-like. Instead, he'll be like, woof, bark, and it's confusing to them. Indeed. Yeah, very unusual. Uh, so when he gets put in the pound, it's time to meet a bunch of dogs who are in the pound with him, and oh boy, they all have celebrity voices. They're all being done by one impressionist, and it, it's a guy named George Kirby, and uh, it's just a Humphrey Bogart dog. And a Peter Lorre dog. Yeah. And, and the vo the jokes they're doing are garbage. It's just like there aren't even really jokes. The joke is just, ha, there's a dog and it sounds like Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, they have, and there's a James Cagney dog. And all it is is, you know, the dogs are talking like that. So obviously you've got to have Peter Lorre say a famous Peter Lorre line. You've got to have a dog say, play it again, Sam. That, so it's just some impressionists doing basic impressions that don't even have dog jokes in them. It's atrocious. It, it is the worst part of this movie and doesn't need to be there. Like nothing matters with that. Like he could have just escaped at some point anyway, and not have introduced the concept of him talking to dogs. I feel like it even dated the movie in 1976. Was oh yeah, a, a thing that bothered me. Like these days, you're like, oh shit, it's they're doing Looney Tunes. They're doing old Looney Tunes jokes. I get it. I vaguely remember the names like like James Cagney and and Edward G. Robinson. I I guess sure. But even in the 70s, you'd be like, wait, is that dog supposed to sound like Mae West? Why? Why are you doing this? <laughs> so uh, that's that. That is. Oh god, it's rough. It is very rough. And would you say it's rough? <laughs> I would. I would say that. Thank you for bringing that up. There. More dog jokes than the movie did. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, oh, and then he gets dragged off to be killed because that's that's when this movie takes a bizarrely dark turn. Slade's won, right? Like, there's no chance that he hasn't won because uh, the the dog's in the pound. That we're, we're, we're done. He, the, the dog has no evidence that Slade's been involved with criminals. Uh, he's been sent to the pound, and then he calls the pound and is like, uh, uh, as the district attorney, I order you to murder that dog. 
he has to call the governor first. He has to be like, I'll get the governor involved to personally ask them to murder a dog for me. Imagine the way that we don't get to hear that conversation play out. And I really want to. (laughs) Hi, this is the DA. I need you to call the local pound. Why? Well, there's a dog I don't like and I want him dead. Which DA? Uh. You, You realize I'm in charge of hundreds of DAs, right? Like, I'm not even in charge of DAs. There's just, that's a whole different thing than what I do. That's judicial branch. But you want me to call a pound in, what, what Newberry, Connecticut, and have them kill a specific dog? That get... seems real weird. Yeah, but I hate this dog. Oh, well, you are a DA, so that is your prerogative. <laughs> you get one ask a year, and this is your one. <laughs> I like the idea that every DA gets one favor. Surprising amount of killing specific dogs. Yeah, I mean, that's basically all it ever is. He was like, hey, it's me, one of your DAs. I want a dog killed. And he's like, yeah, I get it. I know the world's changed since the 70s, but I would appreciate trying to call up Gavin Newsom and be like, hey, man, could you help me get a dog killed? (laughs) (laughs) I have the perfect crime. (laughs) I know you're really busy with, like, you know, climate change and all the wildfires and everything just everything and covid just everything but look there's this dog and <laughs> i yet- gotta break it to you there's a dog i don't like it now now granted the dog has already been caught and is currently incarcerated at a pound and will be put down eventually because that's how pounds work in the 70s but and and, and go with me on this i'd like to kill him sooner i would like to just make sure that he is dead which Yeah, for the one part, it's very weird that he would, you know, go, yes, sure, whatever, Mr. District Attorney from some bullshit little town, I'll go ahead and call some pound and ask them to murder a dog. But also, Jesus, this guy really escalated, Mm because it started out as Slade being like, oh, I just don't want him to win, or I want him to drop out, or whatever. And now he's like, I'm going to murder him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is a weird turn in the movie where suddenly he's like, I'm going to kill this guy. I'm going to murder this human for, for briefly threatening my, my role as the district attorney. Yeah, it's a, it's a dark turn for what should be a light family movie. I know this man. I've met him. I've met his wife and children. I will murder him. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's a dark oh. moment. And it, poor Paul Fiedler has to be the one to take the call from the governor. I still, I, I wanted the governor to, I really want that phone call just for the governor to be like, you know, there's like 35 people between a dog catcher and me, right? You could have called and asked in a favor from virtually anybody, but you've chosen the governor. And you know what? That takes gumption. <laughs> I'm I gonna, like your style. I'm going to call in the National Guard to kill that dog. <laughs> uh, man, we've been talking about this for way too long. Ah, whatever. So... He breaks out of the pound. Yeah, I was going to say, he breaks out with the other dogs. Uh, They eventually go to uh, Rorschach's, as we mentioned, is the big crime guy. He gets a tape recorder to record them, saying basically no incriminating things. And yet he's like, aha, the smoking gun. Oh, it'll be a smoking gun as soon as he's the DA. (laughs) (laughs) And then they escape in a Jeep, and it's him and his crappy kid and Tim Conway driving around in a 1970s stunt jeep that gets painted orange and covered with feathers because at some point some criminal stole rorschach five pallets of chicken feathers yeah that's a thing he's got this whole warehouse full of criminal goods and for some reason several tons of chicken feathers in there don't worry about Uh, it he'll sell them to someone 
Yeah. And, and there's, then they escape. There's a lot of weird stuff in that warehouse, I'm going to be honest. Also, all the dogs from the pound show up here to help, and they're still talking, so it's a few more chances for the impressionist to just be like, say lines that James Cagney would have said, you know, like, <laughs> now now see here, see, we're going to help you escape, see, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But he, he gets the ring, now he can be human again, and hooray for that. And oddly enough, we mentioned this, this is the point where, you know, they find Slade in a car because they, like, run a red light going after them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Slade. And the police the police are like, hey, what's going on? And his his little helper guy, Dick Van Patten, is like, oh, we're official business. I have the DA back here. And he's like, do you? Because all I see is a bulldog. You know, a bulldog wearing a little suit with a briefcase, smoking a cigar. And it's strange because I don't understand the rules of it because at this point, no one had said the inscription again. <laughs> no. He just well, sort of manifested I, a dog. He was In the back of the car, he was running, rolling around back there as they were chasing uh, Willoughby, Dan- Willoughby Daniels. He was riding along in the car, saying the inscription over and over again. And Patton was even like, stop saying that. It's going to turn you into a dog. Shut up, you. That was a... That was a different scene when he still had the oh. ring. Well, in that in case, this scene, he didn't say shit. He just turned into a dog. Yeah. Well, that turned that ends the uh, the conflict of the movie. They get home. They they're like, "Wife, we solved everything." And then we cut to a future scene where ostensibly he's the DA, and we see that that Tim, the ice cream man, and his sweetheart, the roller derby lady, are gonna get married, and they adopted all those impressionist dogs. Yeah, they've got all those dogs with the worst voices, mm-hmm. and they're going to give them all a bunch of steaks. I'm, yeah, they're going to give them a bunch of steaks and then have Piglet kill them because those impressions are terrible. <laughs> Here's your last meal. You're awful. <laughs> Piglet, put this dog to sleep. Oh, dear. Oh, I'll do anything anyone tells me. <laughs> yeah, so that's and that's the end. We don't even know if he's the DA or not. <laughs> so there you go. Shaggy DA. Kind of a shaggy story, if you ask me. I mean, that is actually the tagline for the movie, but yes, that is kind of a shaggy story. Uh, uh, kind of a sh- yeah. Whatever. So, <laughs> uh, there you go. The uh, the shaggy da. You wanna you wanna do our bests and worsts for this? I mean, yeah, obviously, of course, I do. Okay, give me the best thing in this movie for you. Uh, I'm going to say my favorite thing in this movie is uh, the routines of Tim Conway going into the bar and trying to te- convince. It's it's very old-fashioned Looney Tunes, where he's not bothering to check if the dog is still a dog that can talk or not. And he's walking in there, and he's like, and now the dog's going to sing way down upon the Swanee River. And... Help me get him up on this thing. And then, like, this bartender just gets increasingly mad at him. I liked that old-fashioned stuff. It's the same thing with the pie fights. It's just, it's good classic bits. Yeah, they got some good classic bits. And that was my favorite of the good classic bits. What about you? What was your favorite thing? Oh, I mean, it was definitely the pie fight. It is the only bit in that movie where I actually went, (laughs) Good old-fashioned pie fight. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't go wrong with a good old-fashioned pie fight. Absolutely not. How come there aren't recreational pie fights that you and I have been invited to? Right? Listen, I know we've already made this op- uh, thing where if you want us to be a special guest to your convention, we absolutely will. If you want us to come to a LARP that's within reasonable driving distance, we absolutely will. I'm adding a new one. If you're going to host a recreational pie fight, I want an invitation. Yes. And it can't just be that you're going to throw pies at us. I want to make this this clear. 50 or more people, huge amounts of pies. Yeah. A pie fight. Not us getting beaned with pies. 
Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't turn that down because pie is delicious and it goes into my face anyway. But if I'm going to a pie fight, I want to go for real. There you go. Okay. Just putting it out there. This is how the secret works. I just announce it into my podcast. Yeah. That's the secret. First, you get a podcast and then you announce a thing in it. Uh huh. And then it never happens because none of these things have worked so far. Uh, all right. Worst thing in the movie. Uh, I, I mean, ultimately, I'm just going to say that the main character is kind of a boring asshole. And I didn't like him very much. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think, no, you know what? I'm taking that back. It's the fucking dog impressions. They're garbage. I hated that. The moment he gets in there and they're all like, one of them's just singing swing low, sweet chariot or something. And the rest of them are just saying things that those 40 celebrities were famous for saying. And I was like, this is fucking dire. That was the yeah. worst part. Yeah. So there you go. Worst thing. You? Yeah. I, uh. I would say probably the worst thing for me is essentially along that same line where it's just takes that hard turn into murder. <laughs> Kill that dog. All right. I have my opponent locked up and now I'll be the DA. <laughs> you know what? Not good enough. I need to call the governor and murder him. Okay. <laughs> that said, as, All much right. as, as much as that is an absolutely horrible thing, it does give us the scene of this frantic, tired, recently tranquilized DA trying to convince a governor that he should kill a local dog. If we got Which, to see that, I would be okay with it, but we don't. And oh, that's man. the saddest part. What 70s celebrity do you think would have been perfect to play that governor? And I don't know 70s celebrities. <laughs> that's fair. You know what? Write in, folks. What 70s celebrity should have played the governor in the Shaggy DA in a scene that's missing, but honestly should not have been? Uh, there you go. And let's give our rating for the Shaggy DA. We're each going to give it a rating 0 to 5, which gives the movie a rating out of 10. Jeff, your rating. Uh, I'm going to give this a three and a half. This is a classical Disney movie. I didn't hate it. It's fine. It's, I mean, sure, it drags a little in the middle, and that part with the talking dogs fucking sucks. Uh, okay, the the impressionist dogs that talk like old celebrities. The the part with the talking dog is probably not the best <laughs> description. Uh, but overall, this is a classical, stupid, funny movie. I, I didn't hate this. Three and a half. You? Uh, I'd give it, uh, give it a three. It's, uh, it's enjoyable enough to watch. You can sit down and not be angry at it, and you might get a light chuckle. Mm -hmm. Light chuckles were Tim Conway's specialty, and if he was not going to pick up the slack on this one, you had Dick Van Patten in pocket. <laughs> Thankfully, he did nothing this movie. No, Dick Van Patten was wasted. Uh, so six and a half for the Shaggy DA. Who there knew? you go. Who knew? Don't make us watch not any me. more of these. I hate them. Except this one. <laughs> it was fine. Uh, So... Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, we've got some more content for you if you want over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash system mastery. You can join us at any level unlocks bonus content. And of course, any amount helps the show keep running. But at that $5 level, we do have TV mastery and we are still chugging along in season one of Smallville. And it is some good times yeah, especially I'm really, today. <laughs> I am excited about this episode. This episode had some clout to it compared to the last couple of draggy, boring ones. Oh, yeah. There was stuff happening. So if you want to find out what makes us <laughs> so interested in this episode of Smallville in season one, you'll have to join us over at patreon.com slash system mastery. That's correct. Please do. It would be very nice. But until next time, we have been Movie Mastery and you have a good one.